Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is August the 5th, 2022. Boy, oh boy, the time is moving quickly, and the challenges to America and Americans are coming at us at warp speed. Uh, Earlier this week, uh, a drone strike reportedly took out the leader of Al-Qaeda, the thug who was responsible for the terror attacks of 9-11, the attack on the USS Cole, the attack on American embassies in Africa, and other such violent, deadly attacks. And um, while we're celebrating, we need to be mindful that there is a strong potential that al-Qaeda or one of its affiliates will seek retribution against America, whether overseas or within our own borders, or perhaps both. So this evening... With all of that going on, and with all of the action by China as a consequence, they claim, of the Pelosi visit to Taiwan, it almost seems contrived as though they were looking for justification. And who can blame them? Seriously. Uh, Joe Biden does not project project strength, does not project leadership. Um, And look at the way we left Afghanistan. You know, when I first testified at congressional hearings after the terror attacks of September 11, 2001, and I did a bunch of them, I made the point that you only get one opportunity for a first impression. Basic fundamental principle. One of the very first impressions that the world got of Joe Biden were two very dangerous messages. Number one, America does not care about its borders. Anybody who understands anything about tactics understands that borders are a nation's first and last line of defense. What's incredible was that when you read the first paragraph of the official report 9-11 and terrorist travel, the point was made that up until 9-11, no agency of the U.S. government thought of of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. You have to wonder what lame brains have been running these agencies for how many years. How do you not understand that if you want to protect your country, you have to protect your borders to keep the people out of your country when they want to kill you? In the wild, wild west, when settlers were moving west and they feared attacks by the uh, Native Americans who were trying to defend their turf, understandable, you know, it's a two-sided thing. I think it's important that we do show both sides of issues, always, multiple sides. Uh, Of course, the radical left doesn't want you to know there's any other side but their own because frequently they can't hold up their position if all the facts were known. But truth be known, there was a war going on in America where settlers were moving west and they were being repelled or unsuccessfully repelled by the Native Americans. But the order would always go out once those wagon trains came under attack, circle the wagons. We use that expression today. What does circle the wagons mean? It means create a secure perimeter by positioning the wagons in such a way that the women and children would be inside that protected circle. Fortresses have tall walls, and sometimes they have moats with a drawbridge. Why? To create an impenetrable, they hope, barrier against invaders. It's common sense. We lock our doors at night. Why? to keep out people who would want to come in and do harm to us. This is as fundamental as it gets. Lock the door, keep yourself safe, create a secure perimeter, or if you're a Star Trek fan, shields up. Shields up. So in the middle of all of the threats and challenges America faces, Joe Biden, even before he was sworn in, announced to the world America will have no borders. Come one, come all, we're going to let you all in. And they picked Alejandro Mayorkas to run the Department of Homeland Security, as I have come to call the Department of Homeland Surrender. And Mayorkas' background was known. This guy was a well-documented failure. Okay, If you look at the articles that I've written about him, 
And I wrote about it even before the Biden administration took office, once they mentioned Mayorkas, because I'm familiar with him. Alejandro Mayorkas ran the, the unit of DHS known as Citizenship and Immigration Services. I'm very familiar with the operation of the adjudication process because unlike the talking heads on TV who know how to run their mouths and basically don't understand the issues, not only was I with the INS for 30 years, I was an inspector at Kennedy Airport. Uh, I'd like to say that that was the time, those four years, when I had my eye to the peephole on America's front door. But I also spent a year as an adjudications officer doing the marriage interviews. So I know how that process works. And the idea is to weed out the fraud, not to deny people benefits that they're entitled to. And when we're talking about benefits here, we're talking about political asylum, the right to go to school, the ability to become a resident alien, the ability to become an American citizen. Those are the benefits we're talking about. Basically, citizenship and immigration services can be thought of as a locksmith for America, handing out the keys to the front door. I love to ask people, um, what can I put in, in a person's pocket that would enable them to ignore the fact that we have a border, presuming the border was ever finished? And I, and I find it remarkable that neither the Republicans nor the Democrats wanted to fund Trump's border wall. So when people tell me the solution is vote for the Republicans, uh, not so quick. Vote for individuals who take the truly proper position, and they are few and far between because they've all been bought and paid for through the bribe process known as campaign contributions. Let's be very blunt. I don't have time to waste with nonsense. Neither should you. Neither should you. I lived through 9-11. Those ashes landed on my house and contained the remains of my neighbors. This is the time for Americans to wake up and unify. Let's stop this garbage that we've been spoon-fed by the mainstream media, black voters, green voters, Latino voters, we're Americans. And I don't know any American who has a half brain in his or her head that would disagree with the fundamental notion that what we want for ourselves and our children is a secure country where there are opportunities for success, opportunities for good education, um, and where the American dream is alive and well. That dream is fading quickly, folks, because of both parties. They are doing what they are told to do by their employers. We are supposed to be their employers, but we're not. The people who employ them are the people who write the checks. Money talks and BS walks. And when Citizens United was decided by the Supreme Court, suddenly it became a bidding war. We need a new position in government, the official auctioneer. So Joe Biden kowtowing to the globalists, and I believe another agenda as well, not just to bring in more foreign voters, you know, turn, turn these people into votes, I think this is about crashing the U.S. economy. If you look at all the actions the Democrats have taken, that's what we're looking at. Crash the U.S. economy. Am I wrong? The price of fuel oil, the price of energy, this climate business. And by the way, and I don't want to go off track, but China, as a result of what happened with Pelosi, allegedly, now says they will do nothing to cooperate with America or anyone else on climate. Really. So the... Republicans now have an uphill battle fighting because the Democrats just passed that insane climate bill. And by the way, I believe that we have to take care of the environment. And I'm not a climate expert, but I've spoken to many who are. Uh, and I did start out as a science major. I believe that the biggest motivation or, or mover of our climate is the sun, fast as we have no control over. But we'll leave that for another day. But the point is, even if you're concerned about the climate, if China bows out, and India and all these other countries continue to do what they've been doing, they're going to pollute the environment well enough. So anything we do won't really be meaningful except to destroy our economy and make us that much less competitive, which is what this is really, I believe, all about. And when you look at Joe Biden with his, lap, with his son's laptop, and you look at how many other members of Congress have had unhealthy uh, relationships with China, Congressman Swalwell and all the others, I believe that China has been leaning on all of these politicians to get them to promulgate policies and laws that are beneficial to China and harmful to us. Again, that's for another day, because today I want to really focus on national security and public safety. But the point of the matter was, Biden came in, and the first thing he said is, we're putting down the shield. Shield down. Well, the rest of the world had to look at this and say, this guy's crazy. This guy's feeble. This guy's crazy. He's weak. 
And then we left Afghanistan in a way that America has never walked away from any other battle, any other country, any other situation. This is a singular moment of disaster brought to you by Joe Biden. We left behind $80 billion in military hardware. We released 5,000 terrorists. It was a rout. Self-imposed. Soldiers, American soldiers were killed. Others were grievously wounded, never going to be the same again. And why? There could have been an orderly process. And you hear the nonsense from the administration. It was cheaper to leave behind the hardware than bring it back. If you really believe that, then blow it up. Burn it to the ground. Don't leave it for your enemies. Don't leave it for the terrorists. Night vision, guns, tanks, ammunition, you name it, we left it behind. When we make decisions, we generally do two columns. I don't care if you're going to look at buying a car, leasing a car, buying a house, getting married, um, taking a job. You generally put two columns on a piece of paper, pro and con, positive, negative. If you look at evaluations, if you go to the website before you make a significant purchase, they'll give you the pros and the cons. The good news is this car is relatively economical. The bad news is it's not reliable. Whatever. Good and bad. Where is the good news for America or Americans in anything? I mean anything that the Biden administration has done. I defy you to come up with a single pro. Not one. Opening the borders. Really? It endangers national security. It endangers public safety. It endangers public health. It endangers the jobs and wages of Americans. And it endangers the lives, particularly, of immigrants who came to America fleeing the violence of their home country. And it's not just from Latin America. This is not a race issue. You wouldn't know it to listen to the liars who call themselves journalists. It's remarkable. And by the way, if you want an open border, and you want a massive amnesty program, you're going to be labeled as being pro-immigrant. This even happens on conservative programs. Charlie Smith is pro-immigrant. He wants amnesty. He wants comprehensive reform. Really? How is that pro-immigrant? To give t- tens of millions of illegal aliens lawful status so they can bring in their children? And we can't screen them? Are you kidding? This is Lucy on the, at the Bon Bon Factory on steroids, if you remember that hilarious episode from I Love Lucy, if you're old enough or if you've had the opportunity to check it out in any event. We could be looking at 25 or 30 million lawful immigrants. And you've got a lot of Republicans pushing for this. We'll secure that border, and then we're going to legalize everyone who's here more than five years. We have no way of knowing how long they're here. That's nonsense. When you run the border, there's no record of entry that is created. There is nothing at all to prevent an alien from coming here in three months and then saying that he or she got here In in 2017, pick a number. I am telling you this as a former adjudicator. The pressure will be on to move the applications, and Mayorkas has ordered that his people approve everything that lands on their desks, which is why he got jammed up when he worked for the Obama administration, because he ordered people to approve petitions for visas even after the FBI went to him and said this company, and they gave them a specific company, has a potential affiliation with Iranian terrorists, you must deny the petitions that he approved them anyway. Time and again, he used the ability to give visas to aliens. Um, Political priorities were given. uh, Any priority, but the priority of protecting America or Americans. He was investigated by the Office of Inspector General. Back then, ABC News did a thorough report about Mayorkas. They did multiple reports. Fraudsters, criminals, terrorists. I, I believe people involved in kiddie porn, you name it, the flotsam and jetsam that he ordered to be given their green cards, to be given visas so they could stay in the country. This, after the 9-11 Commission, identified immigration fraud as the number one vulnerability that terrorists had repeatedly exploited in order to enter the United States and then hide in plain sight or embed themselves as they went about their deadly preparations. So I, I just want to let all of that sink in. Presuming the reports are accurate, we took out the head of Al-Qaeda. Um, there's an article, BBC Today, reporting that we've got to be careful against the potential for reprisal. And the administration is warning us. But the focus is they may do something to us overseas. 
the focus is always anywhere but here when you talk about immigration. If you want to talk about terrorists, then this administration will talk about American parents who are riled, and appropriately riled, I might add, that their kids are being taught a curriculum that is racist, that scapegoats white people, frankly. And as someone who's Jewish and as someone whose family was decimated in the Holocaust, I was named for my mother's mother because she could not get out of Poland. And as a consequence, she died because the Jews were scapegoated by the Nazis. Scapegoating of one segment of the population by another segment of the population does not end well. And that's what critical race theory does. Holding people accountable for factors that they have no control over. True justice means you hold people accountable for their actions, not for factors they can't control. It's perfectly acceptable to put someone in jail for murder or drug dealing or gun running or rape. It's not acceptable to go after somebody because their skin is the wrong color. It's called racism. Let's be real crystal clear about this. So when parents complained to their school boards, suddenly the FBI was told these are potential domestic terrorists. Really? I was the PA president of my daughter's public school. Uh, I guess today PA presidents are on the hot sheet. They're the, 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 the list of FBI you know, watch out for these people. They're meddling in the education of their children. How dare they? Meanwhile, not a word about people coming to America to do harm to us. But I can give you some concrete examples, and I will this evening. I will this evening. Uh, it's astonishing to me that we're in the situation that we're in. Iran claims it now has the capacity to make nuclear weapons. And by the way, you don't need a rocket to deliver a nuclear bomb. That's a big mistake if you think so. If you want to see a good movie, uh, The Sum of All Fears, they don't use a rocket. I won't give it away, spoiler alert, but the nuclear weapon is delivered to the United States on board a cargo ship. Think about the potential of bringing a weapon to the United States. The border between the United States and Mexico is not under the control of our government, but under the control of the cartels. And if you've been reading my articles or listening to this program, you know that the drug cartels and the human traffickers are working in close coordination with Hezbollah throughout Latin America. Hezbollah is a terrorist organization that is funded and controlled by Iran. Iran has stated that they are going to reduce New York to ashes and rubble. Okay? If they have the weapon, they have the means of doing it. This is no longer an idle threat. We need to take people at their word when they say death to America. I don't think it's a punchline to a joke. I think it's a real threat. And what are we doing to protect ourselves? Buckus. Buckus. So when I listen to what's going on and I watch what's going on and I see a wide open border with people flooding across the border, we have no clue as to who they are. And the news will focus purely on the Mexican border. We've got problems on the Canadian border as well. We have 95,000 miles of coastline, and God knows who's coming into international airports, because in the past, most of the terrorists actually came through international airports. Again, how are we being vigilant and protecting ourselves, especially in the wake of the death of the leader of al-Qaeda at the hands of the U.S. military? Be vigilant. What does it mean? Who's being vigilant? Be as vigilant as Mayorkas, as vigilant as Kamala Harris, as vigilant as Joe Biden, let's go down the list of all these vigilant Americans. How in the world are we supposed to be vigilant when we have millions of people in the country and we are clueless as to who they are, when they came in, where they came in, what are their backgrounds, and who are they affiliated with? What kind of vigilance is that? This is bizarre, and it's dangerous, and it's going to get people killed. And I remember after 9-11 when I was doing all those hearings, and when the 9-11 Commission reached out to me, they said, Mr. Cutler, we need you to come to Washington and give us a deposition. We need your help to make sure we don't get hit again. And if you remember back then, you had the politicians saying, let's go to Hollywood. They have good imaginations. Maybe they can figure out how the next attack may be done so we can protect ourselves. Really? They said that it was a failure of communication. It was a failure of imagination that we were attacked. Nobody connected the dots. I'm not the only one to connect the dots. There are thousands of people like myself who gave testimony to the 9-11 Commission. 
who have gone before hearing after hearing in both the House and Senate, who have written books and reports and warned about where the vulnerabilities are. And if you look at this Biden administration, every policy, every action, every lack of action runs in 180-degree opposition to the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. It runs 180 degrees in opposition to standing law, and it runs in opposition to common sense. Why? Why? And I've yet to see a reporter at the White House ask one of the people there, how are these policies in the best interests of the average American citizen, period, full stop? Well, stop. You don't hear that question. They're more concerned about what flavor ice cream Joe likes. And meanwhile, we're being threatened by China. We're being threatened by Russia. We're being threatened by Iran. We're being threatened by North Korea. We're being threatened by the drug cartels, by the human traffickers, by transnational gangs. And we have imported, basically, a fifth column into our country. I don't know any other way of saying it. And then we hear all these arguments about the Constitution. When Donald Trump tried to protect America through the immigration system, that's unconstitutional. Really? Go to Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution that states that the states are to be provided with a Republican form of government and protection against invasion and domestic violence. That's exactly what we're looking at. Over 100,000 people died of fentanyl overdoses last year. And people say, well, we lost 100,000. No, we lost a lot more than that. How many crimes were committed by addicts desperate to get their hands on the money that they needed to buy the dope and shot, stabbed, and otherwise hurt or killed people? How many shootings have been attributed or stabbings have been attributed to violent transnational gangs? And not just MS-13 from Latin America. We have Asian organized crime. We've got the Jamaican drug posse. We can go down the list. And you know why? Because human nature, folks, is human nature. And every race, every religion, every ethnicity, every nationality has the good, the bad, and the ugly, period. We all bleed red when we are cut, and people are people. The good, the bad, and the ugly exist in every group. And what are we doing to protect ourselves against the bad and the ugly? Nothing. We're encouraging them to come here. We're giving them everything they want. Motor vehicles are used almost entirely around the world by terrorists, not airplanes, motor vehicles. And for quite a few years after 9-11, every state agreed we will not give driver's licenses to illegal aliens. We can't verify their identity. And now we're told, well, they, they need to drive. How can they go to work? They're not supposed to be working. They're taking jobs from Americans. And even if they don't take the jobs from the Americans, by flooding the labor pool, you decrease the value of labor. Labor is a commodity. The companies that make gem-quality diamonds limit the number of diamonds they put on the market every year to control the price. If you flood the diamond market with all the gem-quality diamonds you could, you could make diamonds as cheap as the cut glass. Think about that. You want to talk about the environment? There's a serious drought in the West. Every person needs 100 gallons of water per day, according to studies that I've read. The Biden administration, it's believed, has brought in at least 3 million illegal aliens. Do the math. 3 million times 100 gallons per day. 300 gallons, I'm sorry, 100 gallons a day, 3 million people, that's 300,000 gallons, 300 million gallons a day of water being used. 100 times 3 million every day. How does that help the drought? How does that help Americans? Everybody who's here needs water, sewage, electricity, access to health care, transportation, housing, food, clothing. You want to talk about inflation? Add people to the, to the general population. That means more people making more purchases. Supply and demand kicks in. It's inflationary. Where is the good news? That's what I'm trying to find. Where can you look at this and say, yes, this makes sense? I might not agree with it, but I could see the other side. There is no other side that makes sense unless you're China or Russia or Iran or North Korea or part of organized crime or disorganized crime or the cartels or the human traffickers. They're literally making out like bandits at a time when we're being told to be vigilant. Be vigilant, folks. Keep your eyes open. Wow. 
does it get more dangerous or stupid than this? It, it, it absolutely blows my mind. And so now we come to a story, and, and, and this is specific. There was a, a woman who was almost kidnapped last year, and I wrote about it for Front Page Magazine. If you go to frontpagemag.com after the program, my article, Alleged Iranian Kidnap Plot Targeted Iranian-American Dissident in Brooklyn, Connecting the Immigration Dots Biden Ignores. And let me just start out reading my own article. On July 13, 2021, the Department of Justice issued a press release that announced, quote, Iranian intelligence officials indicted on kidnapping conspiracy charges. The subtitle of the press release provided a bit more information. Iranian intelligence services allegedly plotted to kidnap a U.S. journalist and human rights activist from New York City for rendition Iran. For rendition to Iran. It sounded like a James Bond novel. The woman lived in Brooklyn near the water. They were going to kidnap her. They were going to drug her. They were going to put her on a boat. They were going to take the boat to Venezuela. From Venezuela, they planned to fly her to Iran, where she would have been imprisoned, tortured, perhaps killed. I've read reports that indicate that some of her family members have already been arrested in Iran. It's incredible. The people that did this had to come to the United States one way or the other. Most, I believe, came with visas, and then they actually even employed Americans to help them with their plots. And so you look at that and you say, wow, this is dangerous. We allowed people into the country that tried to kidnap a woman who came to America seeking the protection that we offer people because this, after all, is America, the land of security. Not so much anymore, boys and girls. Well, guess what? A couple of days ago, I'll read the headline. This is the Daily Mail. Um, and this was July 31st. This is five days ago. Man, 23, armed with loaded AK-47, is arrested lurking outside dissident Iranian journalist's Brooklyn home for two days after she revealed the plot to kidnap her. Khalid Mediev, 23, was found Thursday with a loaded AK-47, a high-capacity magazine, and more than $1,000 worth of cash hidden in a suitcase in his car. It was parked outside the Brooklyn home of Iranian dissident journalist Masi Alinejad, who made a name for herself exposing Iranian corruption. Law enforcement officials say that he spent several hours outside the home last Wednesday and Thursday, even attempting to open the front door. Mediev was eventually stopped by NYPD after he rolled through a stop sign and was arrested for driving without a valid license. It comes just one year after Alinejad and her U- and U.S. officials revealed that there had been a plot by Iranian operatives to kidnap her and bring her back to the country of Iran. Now, what's remarkable is in all these reports, all these reports, almost none of them discussed who this guy was. Well, it turns out that this guy was not an American citizen. I mean, that's the, the incredible part of the story that we really should be thinking about. This guy... Uh, was a citizen of Azerbaijan, uh, uh, and uh, forgive me for mispronouncing the name of that country. Um, here we go. The Republic of Azerbaijan. There's a tongue twister for you. So you've got an alien with an AK-47. An additional report noted that the AK-47 had a high-capacity magazine for all the screaming by the, by the Democrats about assault weapons and extended magazines, right? And the gun had no serial numbers, but it was stamped made in China. So you've got a manufactured gun from overseas, no serial number, it was obliterated, high-capacity magazine, not a single press release from the Justice Department. The Biden administration should be crowing. Look at this. We got a gun with an assault weapon and no serial numbers and a high-capacity magazine. Look at this. Not a word. Nobody's talking. Most of the media describe this guy as a New York man. And further in the article, Yonkers man. In fact, that's what Fox News reported. New York man. This guy's a New York man. He's 23 years old. If you see the photographs that were taken from the ring camera on his would-be victim's front porch, he looks like a character out of a James Bond movie. You know, one of those guys with no necks and huge shoulders. 23 years old, probably a soldier somewhere. 
He's there with a gun with 66 rounds of ammunition. Now, the other thing they found, and this is something that we need to focus on, was an employment authorization document, or what we call an EAD. Those documents are issued by the Department of Homeland Surrender. Oh, did I say surrender? I meant to say the Department of Homeland Security. I get so confused. Sometimes I even call it the Department of Hospitality Services. You see, I'm having a problem with the identity of that agency, as is the Biden administration. So here we have a card issued by the Department of Hospitality. They did it again. Homeland Security. Correct me every time I get it wrong, folks. I'm just thoroughly confused. So the DHS issues this card generally to an alien who applies for an immigration benefit. And what we mean by a benefit is political asylum, the ability to go to a school and change immigration status, uh, an application for lawful immigrant status and a green card, or even United States citizenship. So if you don't have lawful status so that you can work here, you have a pending application, they might give you an employment authorization document so that you can work and sustain yourself while the government is trying to figure out who you are and whether or not they should approve the application. Now, there's something really interesting about that also, because if you look at what the 9-11 Commission had to say about this whole business, about how we adjudicate these applications, and remember, this guy had one of those applications, uh, they talked about how this was a method of fraud uh, or, or a way that using fraud um, Aliens could remain in the United States uh, as they go about their preparations. Let me read this little piece out of that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Terrorists had entered the United States. Their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. By the way, at the risk of interrupting myself, the very first time that I testified at a congressional hearing was on May 20th, 1997 three or four and a half years before 9-11. It was predicated, that hearing was predicated on the two terror attacks carried out in America in 93. January 93, the shooting at the CIA by a Pakistani by the name of Kansi, who had applied for political asylum. And one month later, the bombing at the Trade Center that killed six, injured over a thousand, and inflicted a half billion in damages. So the Republicans held a hearing, May, 19, May of 1997, into immigration fraud. You don't hear much about that. All that the TV wants to show you are these exciting images of aliens running the border, the caravans marching north through Mexico, or agents in raid gear crashing through doors and making arrests. And these are all valid points, but there's no attention paid to the way we give green cards or lawful status to people. That's not exciting. Some guy sitting at a desk or some woman sitting at a desk with an approval stamp going to chunk, to chunk, to chunk, approved, 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 giving them the keys to the front door. We don't talk about that. All we hear about is the Mexican border and illegal aliens. Nothing about fraud in the legal system. By the way, fraud is a big problem. In fact, it's such a big problem that the Biden administration wants to hire thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people to look for fraud. Oh, I'm sorry, not immigration fraud, IRS fraud. So if you make a mistake in your tax return, they will come for you. That's important. Aliens who commit immigration fraud have nothing to fear because Mr. Mayorkas made the point that even if you lie on your application for U.S. citizenship and we find out about it, don't worry. Go back to sleep. We will take no action. You are an American, and you will get 100% of the protection of this government because we love you because now you're an American. The only problem is if you got citizenship by lying, you're not qualified to be an American and you committed a felony. But let's not quibble. After all, we want you here. We want everyone to come. And he said the reason they're going to do this is if they start going after people who commit fraud, you might discourage people from coming and filing for citizenship. Well, what if going after fraud and tax returns discourages Americans from filing tax returns? Oh, well, we can't talk about that because that's a whole new ball game. In my entire life, I've never heard of anything this dangerous. Now, with that in mind, let me read this to you. Think about Mallorca saying you can lie all you want and do so with impunity and nothing will happen to you, provided it involves immigration. Now, this is from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. 
Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agriculture Worker Program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. Ayad Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. After he dropped out, he remained in the United States, remained in the United States out of status. Okay. So you have an illegal alien renting the truck used in the 93 bombing and another illegal alien driving the truck. And today, around the country, states like New York and Illinois and California and New Jersey give driver's licenses to illegal aliens who can't prove who they are. By the way, the 9-11 Commission found that in the aggregate, the 19 hijackers use more than 300 false names or variations of false names. So they lay this out. Immigration fraud was the key method. Then it goes on from there. Um, page 61, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence that suggests that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups with their global reach and connection to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. And then we get to this butte, and you're going to love this one, folks. This is on page 98 of that report under immigration benefits. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans would to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, that's DACA, folks, temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. All these aliens flowing across the border are being invited to file for asylum. They don't qualify. Asylum is very specific. It's not because you're living in poverty. It's because of your race, religion, ethnicity, tribal affiliation, political perspective, or sexual orientation, you face persecution or worse in your home country. It doesn't say that you're poor or that there's a high crime rate. I mean, if that were the case, how many Americans qualify for asylum in New York and Chicago and San Francisco, right? So the idea that we allow them to file asylum and jam up the entire system means that the system collapses, Okay. And what's remarkable is the mayor of New York, Adams, now refers to illegal aliens not as undocumented workers, uh uh-uh, not as immigrants, but as asylum seekers, because everyone is sympathetic toward asylum seekers. So they're now all asylum seekers. To call the people that are patently ineligible asylum seekers is the equivalent of referring to some guy on welfare without a job as being an aspiring millionaire. And you say, well, wait a minute. How can somebody with no bank account, no job, and no property be an aspiring, middle, uh, an aspiring millionaire? Are you foolish? Of course he's an aspiring millionaire. He bought a lottery ticket. Goodness. How stupid are we and how manipulative are the politicians? Well, having interrupted myself, I'm going to go back and reread this because I really want you to focus on the threat we're facing thanks to Joe Biden and prior administrations. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. Now, here's the kicker. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists, terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. So this guy with the AK-47 
was found to be in possession of an expired employment authorization document. We don't know when he came in. We don't know what benefit he was looking for when he was granted that employment document. Now, what's remarkable is that he's not being charged as an illegal alien in possession of a firearm, which is a violation of Title 18 United States Code Section 922G5, but rather with violation of 18 U.S.C. 922K, which deals with a defaced firearm. 922G5 carries a 10-year sentence. Now, it could be the U.S. attorney decided they're not going to be bothered. Who knows? I've had that happen because they have a lot of discretion. They have to agree to prosecute cases. It could be this guy was granted lawful status. If he was granted lawful status, I'd like to know on what basis and how carefully he was vetted because clearly this guy is a problem. Think about that. So is he here legally? Is he here illegally and immigration failed to act against him? Why is he being charged purely with the defaced gun and not with being an illegal alien in possession of a firearm? Now, I'd love to know if this guy got that employment authorization document during the administrations of Mr. Obama, Mr. Obama, uh, Donald Trump, or Joe Biden. He's 23 years old. I'm going to bet Joe Biden, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So through their incompetence or corruption, I would guess, and again, I want to have the facts. I'm just speculating. It could well be that a really bad decision was made and this guy wasn't properly vetted. But I'd love to know why the media keeps calling him a Yonkers man when he's not from Yonkers. He's from Azerbaijan. That's significant. If you're a journalist, you want to ask the questions, who, what, why, where, when, and how. Well, the who in this case is this guy, and don't you think it's relevant to know how he was able to enter the United States so he could apparently act at the behest of Iran? How many more like him are out there as Iran threatens us with nuclear holocaust? And that all we're hearing from the mainstream media, for the most part, is the threat that we face on the southern border. So let's, let's look at another beautiful story here. You're going to love this one, folks. The hits just keep on coming. Friday, July 29th, last week, is the headline, Justice Department press release, leading ISIS media figure and foreign fighter sentenced to life imprisonment. Mohammed Khalifa executed two Syrian soldiers on behalf of ISIS and served as the English-speaking narrator of an exceptionally violent ISIS propaganda video. And then it starts out by saying this, a Saudi-born Canadian citizen was sentenced today to life imprisonment for conspiring to provide material support to the Islamic State of Iraq and al-Sham ISIS, the designated foreign terrorist organization, resulting in death. According to court documents, Muhammad Khalifa, a.k.a. Abu Ridwan al-Kanadi, a.k.a. Abu Masana al-Mahir, or Majir, 39, served as a prominent role within the ISIS starting in 2013 and continuing until his capture by the Syrian Democratic Forces in January 2019, following the firefight between ISIS fighters and the SDF. In addition to serving as a fighter, and personally executing two Syrian soldiers on behalf of ISIS, Khalifa served as the head translator in ISIS propaganda's production and English-speaking narrator on multiple violent ISIS videos. Canada. Canada. Okay? And all we're looking at is the Mexican border. And we have no idea what's coming across the Mexican border, and here we have the Canadian border. But, wait, there's more. Uh, we also have another individual up in Canada who is being charged with smuggling huge amounts of fentanyl from China into the United States through the northern border of the United States, through the Canadian border. Nothing to see here, folks. Let's keep focusing on the Mexican border. Again, the Mexican border is a huge problem. I don't want anyone to mistake that. And as I said before, we know Hezbollah has been working with the human traffickers and drug smugglers throughout Latin America. Then we have another report just issued the last day or two about how the United States is attempting to seize a Boeing 747 that landed in Argentina. It is now part of a Venezuelan company, but it was sold to them by an Iranian airline, and that is a violation of our law. It's an American plane, and Iran should never have had that plane in the first place, and the fact that they transferred it 
So operating in Venezuela, again, Venezuela. It was through Venezuela that they were going to move this woman if they had been successful in, in, in kidnapping her. And what are we doing about all this? We're going to Venezuela for petroleum. That's what we're doing about all this. We're funding a country that works hand in glove with Iran, the same Iran that is threatening to incinerate New York City with nuclear weapons. But wait, there's more. There's more. Because there's also been a recent press release about how Chinese citizens have come to the United States working for Chinese intelligence. Maybe they know Mr. or Congressman Swalwell's girlfriend from Chinese intel. And they came here to intimidate Chinese dissidents into not speaking out against their home country or else trying to convince them to go back to China, threatening to imprison family members. In the United States, if we're being compassionate and immigration is supposed to be the instrument of compassion, how compassionate are we being when we permit people into our country who pose a threat to America's safety, the safety of our citizens, and even the safety of aliens who come here legally and legitimately fleeing persecution, violence, and corruption of their home countries? Think of it. People wait years, spend a ton of money on lawyers, always pay those lawyers, God bless them, the American Immigration Lawyers Association, and they come here thinking they're safe, and then guess what happens? Guess what happens? So you look at that and you say, my gosh, there's something terribly wrong here. There's something really terribly wrong here. And and in fact, let me see if I can pull this up real quickly. Because I, I like the quote, and I think it's an important quote. Here we are. The Times of Israel reported on the story also. The headline for the Times of Israel, our man arrested after trying to gain access to Iranian dissidents' home in New York City. A suspicious individual, and it goes on and on about that. So here they quote her. And this really, really sums this up, I think. Here is the quote of this young lady who was being threatened, almost kidnapped, etc., etc. I came here in America to be safe, Alinejad told the New York Times in a phone interview on Sunday. Quote, first they were trying to kidnap me, and now I see a man with a loaded gun trying to enter my house. I mean, it's shocking, she said. Alinejad was not mentioned as the target of the court document. She was informed by the police of the man's presence outside of her home. And she also possesses a security footage of him from her doorbell. I came here to be safe. I came here to be safe. And everyone wants to paint America as the safe haven, you know, for the, for the people who are threatened around the world. Come to America. We will protect you. How in the world can we protect ourselves? I want everyone to think about that. For those people who think my position is anti-immigrant, quite the contrary, it's not. I'm pro-immigrant. I want to make sure that when people come to America, they do so legally. And that doesn't just mean going through the process, but the process has to have integrity. The problem is, how can the process have integrity when the nitwits running the process have zero integrity? How could somebody approve petitions, aliens that have a potential connection to terrorists, and not find themselves on the wrong end of a grand jury subpoena. But that's exactly what Mayorkas did. And when the Republicans, to their credit, during confirmation hearings, pointed all this out, the Democrats said, we don't care. That's okay with us. Is this still the Democrat Party or perhaps the Deathocrat Party? How in the world do you give a visa to people when you've been warned by both the FBI and Homeland Security Investigations, which, by the way, is the arm of DHS, and you're warned by both groups. Those visas must not be approved because you could be threatening national security. And this guy just looked at them and said, no, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. You don't like it too bad. And he did it. He approved the petition. Why? And what were the repercussions? Well, they certainly made him pay a price for doing it. He was the director of Citizenship and Immigration Services, so they promoted him, Mr. Obama did, to the deputy director of Homeland Security, and then Joe Biden put him in the driver's seat. Boy, they sure taught him a lesson, didn't they? The one opportunity for first impression. How much worse can it get? And then you look at China, and they're threatening us. 
And by the way, their military is quite significant. And guess how they got to build up their military? By sending their people to our schools and by committing espionage so frequently that the intelligence services have sarcastically come to refer to Chinese espionage as Chinese takeout. We know all this is a problem, and all we keep hearing about is we've got to move our methods of production out of China. And we talk a lot about it. Haven't done bupkis. I just saw a report that 90% of our pharmaceuticals come from China. So what happens if tomorrow morning China says, you know what? Screw you. No more antibiotics. Screw you. No more chemotherapy. Screw you. No more painkillers. What will we do? Scurry around the way we've been for formula for babies? It's not one administration or the other. How in the world a superpower permits its biggest adversary to control the methods of production for life-saving drugs, the chips that are vital to everything that we do, and keep talking about it and do bupkis. You know, I work closely with the Israeli National Police. It's a very different philosophy over there. My very first fraud investigation caused me to trip over a terror flight in Israel. We presented the bombing of an oil refinery. And the one thing that I noticed about the Israelis, and they said to me, Mike, we have to be this way, because the whole state of Israel is about the size of the state of New Jersey, and we're surrounded by enemies on all sides. They don't talk about anything. They do what needs to be done, and they do it yesterday. They do it yesterday. And I remember one day we were talking about cooperation between agencies. The FBI doesn't like to give up intelligence because knowledge is power, and they like to hold it over. I have a secret. I can't tell you. Ha, ha, ha. Right, I've been there. I had a desk at the Bureau for 10 years. They said in Israel, and I don't remember how frequently the meetings are held, but the leaders of every law enforcement and intelligence service sits down at a table, and they take their briefcases, and they fling them open, And whatever they've got, they throw it on the table, and everybody from all the other agencies has immediate access. And if the leader of one agency turns to the Shin Bet or the Shin Bet to to whomever, and they say, we need information about such and such, the guy gets it for them that day. There's no delaying. There's no game playing. There's none of this, oh, I can't tell you. I wish I could. All we heard about how it was a failure to communicate, it was a failure of imagination, It was a failure to connect the dots. What do we call this failure? The dots have been connected. We've even colored in the spaces after we've drawn the lines. The coloring book is done. We've put our crayons away. We've painted crystal clear pictures. And the Biden administration appears to be 100% determined to go in 180-degree opposition to everything that the 9-11 Commission warned about. And they're not alone in this. And you've got Republicans talking about a massive amnesty program. You know, I testified about comprehensive immigration reform back around 2006, 2005, and I decided to give that piece of dangerous legislation a new and more descriptive name. I came to call it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. The notion of giving illegal aliens who came into the country under the radar lawful status without even the ability to interview them, forget about doing a field investigation. Are you crazy? And Jeff Sessions liked my piece so much in the Washington Times that on three separate days during the floor debate back then in the U.S. Senate, he quoted me with attribution. Most politicians like to do it by plagiarizing you, and I've been plagiarized. Boy, you have no idea. Sessions made a point of saying it's Mike Cutler, and I asked him why he was so careful to do that. And I had dinner with him when I was in Florida because the David Horowitz Freedom Center back in 2014 invited me to a restoration weekend in West Palm Beach. Great weekend. Amazing hotel, amazing people. I was part of a panel discussion with Jeff Sessions, Louis Gohmert, and another member of Congress who's no longer in Congress, John Fleming. And Louis Gohmert is another real good guy. Uh, I'm a big fan of Louis. And I, I said to Jeff Sessions, I'm impressed. And he said, Mr. Cutler, I'm not the expert. You are. I could run my mouth all I want, basically, is what he said. But you are the guy who's done the job. That's the reason we keep calling you for congressional hearings, because you've made the arrests. You've conducted those interrogations. Uh, You know what you're talking about. And by quoting me, he was able to defeat the legislation. And you now have a whole bunch of Republicans saying, oh, no, 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 we need to legalize everyone who's here. 
So when you look at these politicians, forget the R's and D's. They're, they're all Republicans, okay? Or most of them are. There's a few exceptions. There's a few exceptions. But vote for candidates, not for the party. Don't vote a party line. I mean, we know the Democrats are a disaster, and we know if they continue to control Congress, we're in deep trouble. But particularly on the local level, vote for individuals. People say, why are you a Democrat? Because the old Democrat Party was the party of blue-collar, working-class Americans, and my dad and my mom were my biggest heroes. My father was a construction worker, a tradesman. Tradesman. Without tradesmen, folks, we'd all be living under trees or in caves. So I was a big fan of the party that represented the working Americans. And the other party, the Republicans, represented the business owners. And both sides have legitimate concerns and crazy concerns, all right? That's the way it is. It's kind of like they talk about people getting divorced. There's at least three sides to the divorce, his, hers, and the truth, right? So I landed on the side of blue-collar America. I was going to be an engineer, too. My boys are engineers. And when you think about it, engineers are actually professional blue-collar workers. They build things. They build things. Trains, cars, airplanes, spacecraft, toaster ovens. They're at the heart and soul of everything that we have. Technology would be nowhere without the engineers who design and build these things. They're at the foundation. And that's where I was. How can the Democrats claim to be concerned about American workers when they seek to import an army of foreign workers to displace Americans and drive down wages? Neither party has been representing us. This is a serious problem, and I blame we the people for allowing it to get out of hand because they are supposed to work for us, not the other way around. And that's why I keep making the point that when you have conversations with your neighbors, be careful of the language you're using. This isn't a, a rank-out contest. We're going to insult each other into submission. That doesn't work. Donald Trump tried it. He gave me fits. <clears throat> One of the expressions I want stricken from the vernacular, bleeding heart liberal. We should all be compassionate. I just want to know why no one seems to think that the compassion should first apply to our own fellow Americans. That's the question. There's nothing wrong with being compassionate. Who do you want for a friend, a cold-hearted SOB or somebody with a big heart? And we're not talking about a medical condition here. And who wants to help people? Charity begins at home. Far too many American children have bleak futures. We're hearing all this about the firearms. and I'd like to know... How many people out there that have been involved with shootings have drugs flowing through their veins? <coughs> Pardon me. I'd love to see a toxicology report on every mass shooter and on every other shooter who commits an act of violence. We've never had more drugs flowing through America than we do today. We've never had more movies glorifying violence than we do today. Product endorsements are very successful. That's why we frequently see baseball players and football players and celebrities hawking all kinds of products that really they have no knowledge about, aftershave and shampoo and God knows what. If you go to the movies, what you're seeing is a product endorsement for firearms and mass killings. Why is anyone shocked that kids who watch those movies without parental supervision are becoming violent? Video games are basically simulators for mass casualty events. Why are we surprised that we're witnessing what we're witnessing? And the people that want the guns off the street, so they tell us, are the first ones that want the cops off the street. How does that work out? We've got to be smart about what we're doing, and I'm going to make a suggestion or make a request, perhaps more appropriately. Please go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Go to the podcast after the show. Take the link. Send it to everyone you can. Put it on social media. Take the links to my articles. Transmit it to your friends. Discuss these issues with your neighbors. We're at a very critical point, folks. We're at crossroads, and only Americans can save us. Help isn't coming from outside the United States. It has to come from within by Americans who get involved and celebrate the First Amendment. Honest, open debate is the solution to that which ails us right now. Please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. I wish you all a wonderful weekend. Stay cool, stay safe, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long, everybody.